the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for joining the Georgine Rice Show on 93.9 KPDQ. Filling in for Georgine, I'm Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for 104.1 The Fish, AM 860 The Answer, KPAM, AM 1640 The Patriot, 93.1 L Ray, and True Talk 800, where I host our weekly ministry spotlight program, Difference Makers, Friday and Saturday afternoons at 1. Difference Makers also airs 1 p.m. Saturdays on 93.9 KPDQ. Just email Mike Lee at kpdq.com if you'd like to discover what it takes to have your own radio program, appear at our events, maybe even host them yourself at no risk to you, or advertise your outreach or business. That's Mike Lee at kpdq.com. In the studio, Ryan Price, who is the Area Director of Oregon and Idaho for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, Oregon chapter, whose office is located on Beaver Creek Road in Oregon City. And I want you to mark down Thursday, May 9th on your calendar for an event they have, which is about ministering to faith communities affected by suicide, and it's called Soul Shop to be held at West Portland United Methodist Church. That's on Southwest Taylor's Ferry Road, a nice red brick building a couple of blocks west of Barber World Foods and the Barber Boulevard Park and Ride area just off of I-5. So welcome, Ryan Price. How are you today, sir? I'm well. Thanks for having me. You did great with uh, the name. Sometimes the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention can be a little tongue twister. I'm ashamed to admit that my grandparents got me into pro wrestling when I was a teenager, uh-huh. so a billion times over have I called you the American Federation uh-huh. instead of Foundation, but I finally got it right, and apparently we have some friends in common, including my dear sister, Anna Maddox, mm-hmm. who used to work with AFSP in the past. So can mm-hmm. you tell us, first of all, about Soul Shop and what's this all about coming on Thursday, May 9th? Yeah, so Soul Shop is a day-long workshop that is geared toward faith leaders, and when we say faith leaders, these are people who are maybe leading small groups at their church or leading uh, or their pastors or bishops at their church or they're you know in young life or FCA uh, something like that but it's really a day long workshop that is both evidence based suicide prevention education incorporated with biblical principles and so we're really excited because I think that, you know, a lot of people out there may have had a bad experience uh, in a church related to mental health. And uh, and so this is really preparing faith leaders to handle situations of suicide when it comes up within their ministry, whether it be in a church or at a school or in a, you know, sports athletic club or something like that. Okay. Well, as a fellow Christian, Ryan Price, you and I both believe that mm-hmm. the ultimate truth comes from the Holy Bible. And at the same time, God gives us resources, mm-hmm. whether they are you know, medical breakthroughs or in the field of counseling and things mm-hmm. like that and in mental health. So in your opinion, and I'm not trying to sound like I'm throwing the church under the bus as much as just trying to ask a relevant, pertinent question. Mm-hmm. Do we as the church, being brothers and sisters in Christ, not any particular building or denomination or congregation, do we as the church 
need to step up our game when it comes to mental health and preventing suicide? Are, are there simplistic church-speak type models we have out there that really aren't helping the cause? You know, I don't know if there's specific church-speak mottos out there, but, you know, the the history of the church related to suicide is not great, right? Coming out of the Catholic faith, uh, in just very recent history, it was still considered a, you know, a, a cardinal sin, suicide was. And so, we can change that culture. We know that the Bible doesn't talk—there's only one unforgivable sin, right, which is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But— Suicide, as it relates to the church, I think that as it relates to the church or schools or the medical community, we can all elevate our education to do better um, and to to be able to treat and support and walk alongside and be with people who are struggling with uh, thoughts of suicide or who have been impacted by suicide. You know, in a typical church congregation, about half the people there have been impacted by suicide in one way or another. And so if our faith leaders are not equipped— it's not to say they couldn't be helpful, but, you know, eight hours of education specific to suicide prevention can really go a long way in terms of getting on the same page, knowing what to do, what's best to do, and how they can help people who've, who are struggling or who've been impacted. So Soul Shop is coming up on Thursday, May 9th, being held at West Portland United Methodist Church on Southwest Taylor's Ferry Road. Tell me, Ryan Price, for AFSP, who is your target audience who needs to strongly, prayerfully consider going to your soul shop workshop? Yeah, so this is really anybody who could be considered a faith leader, right? And so uh, the Bible calls us all priests, right? We're all holy. We're a holy priesthood, and so it could really be anybody. If you even lead a small Bible study on Friday mornings, or if you lead a congregation of three thousand people, uh, or if you're, you know, a volunteer coach for FCA, or you know, a Young Life leader, or something like that, it's really anybody in in a leadership role currently, or who has hopes of being in a leadership role in the future uh, to come. Uh, so it's really anybody that wants to to learn. And it, like I said, it's an evidence-based suicide prevention program that has elements from the Bible. I love the fact that you are incorporating the Word of God into this. Now, mm-hmm. is this strictly for Christians only, or will anyone who deals with people altogether, whether or not they happen to be card-carrying, church-going Christians, would anybody benefit from Soul Shop coming up on May 9th? I, I, I do think so, yeah. And, and as I understand, I've not actually done this program yet. I've talked to Michelle, who's a national trainer. She's going to be leading the program. She's coming from, I think, somewhere in Ohio, if I recall correctly. But... Um, uh, but but the principles they use the faith principles are from the Bible. So if uh, if it's a, maybe a Jewish rabbi or something like that, they they may not identify with the principles from the New Testament that are used as examples. Uh, but the suicide prevention concepts still do apply. And I think if you know if you're a person who knows your holy text well enough, you can search your your scriptures, your text to figure out where the evidence-based suicide prevention uh, concepts fit into the, uh, the context of, your, you know, of the, the, the holy book for your faith. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is hosting Soul Shop, ministering to faith communities affected by suicide, because it's estimated that one out of every two people in a given congregation has personally been affected by suicide. 
and Soul Shop trains faith community leaders to offer support and hope and connection to those in their congregations, co-sponsored by the AFSP. Soul Shop equips participants with the resources and guidance they need to foster hope and healing in their community. Thursday, May 9th at West Portland United Methodist Church on Taylor's Ferry Road. This is the Georgine Rice Show on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. Filling in for Georgine, I'm Mike Lee. In the studio, Ryan Price, who is the area director of Oregon and Idaho for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, Oregon chapter. In the past, Ryan, I've had the privilege of working with AFSP in particular on the Out of the Darkness walk events. But for people who might be new to the area or less familiar with AFSP, could you please give us the big picture of what American Foundation for Suicide Prevention stands for? Yeah, so our mission's pretty simple. It's just 11 words, to save lives and bring hope to those affected by suicide. So everything we do is related to that vein. We fund research for suicide prevention, education for suicide prevention like Soul Shop is, um, we also have support for lost survivors, and we advocate for public policies that will save lives. And so we're really, we're, we're not a crisis organization. And uh, to, to go along with all of those things that, that we do, I'm the only staff between Oregon and Idaho. So, Mike, when you said you did work with us, uh, that was unpaid as a volunteer. So I thank you for that. Um, we have volunteers all across the state who have been impacted by suicide that are really doing the hard, hard work of uh, the foundation across the state. And while so many of us, sadly, have had loved ones who've fallen victim to suicide or at least entertained thoughts, Mm -hmm. I think it's a relevant, vital, and important thing for us to pray about. Is is God calling you into a particular ministry, whether or not you have any personal strings attached? This would be a worthy one. It certainly would be. And one of the resources and services that AFSP provides would be If you are in crisis, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's toll-free at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. And you can even contact the crisis line by texting the word TALK, that's T-A-L-K, to Mm 741-741. So very convenient and easy to remember. So thank you for providing that service, Mm -hmm. Ryan. So how long have you officially been the area director for Oregon and Idaho for AFSP? It'll be four years in August. Yeah. So it's been a a decent amount of time. I feel like I'm just getting warmed up, though. That's a good thing. It's still fresh. You still have your passion about it. Oh, definitely. So can you tell us how you got into AFSP in the first place and where you grew up. Yeah, so it was a uh, very much a divine intervention. Um, I was working in retail as a uh, manager. I, I went back to school to study nonprofits. I have a master's degree in nonprofit management. My first role in nonprofits was with a cancer organization where um, uh, I had gotten let go because I was struggling with untreated mental health conditions, depression, thoughts of suicide, and, and, it, and it affected my performance. And then, no joke, the week that unemployment was going to run out, I got a strange email from LinkedIn. Do you use LinkedIn, Mike? I do. Okay. So, you know, sometimes you get spam through there, right? Where they'll, you know, someone will send you an email and it's like, yeah, this is a joke. I don't believe this. But this email was like, I forget his name. It was like John Smith at John Smith Consulting. And he said something like, I've got an exciting uh, work at home opportunity for a director level position. I was like, yeah. 
I don't believe you, but I, I looked up, he had a website, the job was posted there. I was like, okay, I'll, inter- I'll entertain this. And it and wasn't actually multi-level marketing. It, it, wow. it wasn't. No, it was, it was just, he was a recruiter who was a CEO for a nonprofit. And now, you know, we've, uh, our organization hired him to recruit for this new position in Oregon. And so I started the week that unemployment ran out and it was uh, a very uh, prayerful, difficult time of waiting between the cancer organization and, and this, but it led me to realize that that I didn't know that I struggled with thoughts of suicide. It wasn't something I I, I understood until I started learning about it. And so I think there'll probably be a lot of people out there hearing this that you know can identify with this struggle and this cycle of doing well and sometimes not doing well, but not really knowing where where it is. And the I can't stress enough seeking help for your mental health, going to talk to someone at your church, going to a doctor um, is such an important thing because uh, it's real, just like physical health. You know, if um, it'd be silly if if you fell down and broke your arm on one of the stairs outside this office, you would, you would go to the doctor, right? But there's a sort of stigma about seeking help for mental health um, that is often a stigma we put on ourselves, Mike. Uh, we do a public opinion survey and uh, over 90% of people we surveyed across the country view mental health and physical health as being one and the same. So uh, for me, it was like a, an aha moment where now I'm here doing this. I feel very strongly that this is where the Lord has called me to. He continues to open doors in just in my own work for this. And now I feel so privileged to to do this work across the state, but then also to help equip our faith leaders in in the area to to learn about suicide and so that they can support their congregations or their people. So I'm in my 50s right mm-hmm. now, but unlike the Mike who was growing up in the 70s and 80s, I think I know a lot better now than what I thought back then, mm-hmm. which would be anyone who's going through mental issues, they got to be crazy. There's something mm-hmm. wrong with them. If someone has thoughts like that, they're not normal. But I don't believe that anymore, Ryan. Yeah. I believe that mental health is an issue that needs to be in the forefront, at least in this country, mm-hmm. and that these are not uncommon thoughts. Mm-mm. So you're right. They're not uncommon thoughts. And and I think one of the great things about what this workshop is going to, to teach people is that how do you help get people through that period of increased risk or of intense crisis so that they can get help and support that they need. And, um, you know, in Oregon in 2017, 825 people died by suicide. And suicide's the second leading cause of death for people between the ages of 15 and 34. And so it it would, it, it's not a good thing to ignore this because it makes us uncomfortable, right? We've got to deal with this because you're right, it's much more common than people think. Um, and And without the education, without helping to destigmatize uh, mental health and suicide, we're going to continue to perpetuate it. But things like this soul shop, the out of the darkness walks, those are all, those are all helping to change the culture around mental health. I'm glad to see that, Ryan. And I'm glad to see what you and AFSP are doing in the area, including soul shop. Mm-hmm. So we've got about two and a half-ish minutes Great. before we land the plane. Can you tell us about Ryan Price? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Southern California and also Arizona. Uh, my wife and I moved here in 2008. Uh, it may be the worst time possible. I got a job. Maybe you remember this, Mike, uh, G.I. Joe's or Joe's Sporting Goods. I do. So I took a job with Joe's over the phone from Flagstaff, Arizona. 
Uh, and I think that I was the last salaried manager they hired from outside the company within, we, I had never even been to Oregon. We moved blind, just dr- drove up here. And within about two months, they had filed for bankruptcy. And so I was out of where it moved at the worst possible time. Now that you've moved here, congratulations. Yeah. But I, I think that, you know, again, going back to what, what brought me here and, you know, uh, I, I wasn't a believer before we moved. We, my wife and I weren't going to church. We found uh, Athey Creek is where we still go now. And we, um, it's a funny story. We went there because uh, it, the website pulled up and my wife thought they had a pretty website. So we tried it. <laughs> but I got saved at Athey Creek and have stayed there um, the whole time. And so for, for me, this work started, you know, being in this position, the time of working in retail, going back to school. Um, all of this started way back when, you know, when we moved to Oregon from Arizona, sort of blindly. I'm so glad that you and your wife are here, Ryan Price, and that the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is hosting Soul Shop, ministering to faith communities affected by suicide, because it's estimated that one out of every two people in a given congregation has personally been affected by suicide. And Soul Shop trains faith community leaders to offer support and hope and connection to those in their congregations, co-sponsored by the AFSP. Soul Shop equips participants with the resources and guidance they need to foster hope and healing in their community. Thursday, May 9th at West Portland United Methodist Church on Taylor's Ferry Road. Also glad, but not at all surprised to hear that Brett Meadow and the good people of Athey Creek reached you and helped bring you to the Lord. Yeah. Very excited about that. So anyone who just send a shout out to or say hi to Ryan? No, I don't think so, Mike, but thank you so much for allowing me the time, and, and uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate it. It's truly my privilege. Ryan Price, Area Director of Oregon and Idaho for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Perfectly consider coming out to Soul Shop Thursday, May 9th. You won't regret it. This is Mike Lee filling in for Georgine on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee filling in for Georgine. On the night before Fish Fest at Riverfront Park, it's Gospel Sing Live from 7 till dark. And one of our very special artists coming to join us at our initial gospel music event of the summer is Wes Hampton. I want you to follow Wes Hampton on Facebook and Twitter. And Wes has always loved music. He grew up with an admiration for the music of Steve Green and Larnell Harris. Michael English, and the iconic Gaither Vocal Band. He sang in not one, but two groups while in high school, where he traveled locally and performed concerts. Wes later attended Trevecca Nazarene University from 1996 through 1998, where he started off studying pre-med and sang lead for a gospel quartet. So welcome, Wes Hampton. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Oh, it's just a, a privilege. I'm giddy to have you on the phone with us right now. And I'm especially happy that you, Wes Hampton, are joining Tribute Quartet and the Booth Brothers for Gospel Sing Live. And I don't know if you know the history of our stations, but KPDQ is in its 50th year of a Saturday evening program on 93.9 KPDQ-FM. It's called Gospel Sing. So to celebrate the 50th year of Gospel Sing, we decided to launch the largest gospel music event of the summer called Gospel Sing Live. And it'll be Friday, August 16th in Salem at Riverfront Park starting at 7 p.m. with reserved seats available. General admission is open to lawn seating, so bring your own chairs for that. And if you want any more information, it's all over the place, including kpdq.com. So we're really 
So honored that you, Wes Hampton, would join us at our very first Gospel Sing Live concert. And that'll be the night before our sister station, 104.1 The Fish, has its concert called Fish Fest, which has been around for 10 years now. So you get to be in the very first Gospel Sing Live. Are you excited? Well, I'm honored. I am. I'm very excited. I love to get out west any chance I get. I love the Northwest. You know, we're, we're down here in Birmingham, mm-hmm. Alabama, and even to, today, my wife and I have been out, and it, we, we kind of skip spring here. It's kind of, we have about two to three weeks of spring weather, where it's beautiful in the 70s, and then that stops, and it goes right to the, to the 90s, and it's just really high humidity, and it's like a steam room when you walk outside. So I'm looking forward, uh, guys, to being there to sing, but just to even be there for the weather is a treat in itself. So I'm, I'm honored that, that I was asked to, to be a part of this, and I, I love the Booth Brothers system, my favorite guys and singers. So I think it, it, it should be a really great night. So have you come with Terry Garland, who's just the gospel music maven of the Pacific Northwest? Have you come <laughs> and done shows out here in the Pacific Northwest, Portland, Seattle before? Yes, we've gone. Uh, Terry has come out to several of the vocal band concerts that we have done out in the Portland area. And uh, he, he's one of my favorite people. He's, he's just such a, a sweet guy and um, all, all, always makes you laugh. He always, always has a smile on his face. So um, we love to we love to hang out with him any chance we get. So I'm just I'm excited to see Terry as well. So well, he it's has be certainly fun. been invaluable in helping organize our very first gospel sing live concerts. Oh, yeah. And as a New York transplant from about 11 years ago, I was rather shocked to be honest with you, Wes, to find out that there was an incredible core of gospel music fans in the Pacific Northwest. So Terry does extremely well when he brings. Wes Hampton, Booth Brothers, Tribute Quartet, and various other acts to town. So are there any that you particularly enjoy listening to? I really love it all. I've always loved any type of music. As long as it's good music, I don't really care what style it is. You know, I I love all, all those guys. And uh, I've never gotten to do stuff with, with Tribute before, but um, I, I know the guys. They're, they're wonderful guys and great singers. Um, but I have done several, several things through the years with the Booth Brothers, so I'm, I'm quite familiar with with, with their uh, with their songs, with their style. So anytime that uh, Michael Booth's around, you know, you, you know it's going to be fun if Michael's there. He's just, you know, he's partially crazy, which is kind of good, you know. Sure. You never know what he's going to say. Well, when you tour together with these other acts, do you develop a camaraderie, or do you generally keep to yourselves? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, we don't do a lot of the, remember the, the Gator homecomings back in the 90s and the early 2000s were, were so huge. Uh, but now Bill has really gone the direction of more having the, just the vocal band out. So um, we don't get the opportunity much to, to be with other groups, not like we used to be. But I do remember, though, when I, when I first joined, 14 years ago, they, they were still doing the homecoming. And I remember being surprised at how, how close everyone was um, off the stage. Because it's easy to kind of put on a face on stage and act like you're close and you all get along. But it, it really was the case um, behind the scenes as well. So, yeah, that's a, a great question. And it, it, it was very refreshing 
for me to to see that camaraderie exist kind of behind the scenes when the mics were off and the, the light, stage lights were off. Uh, there were really true deep fr- friendships that had been established. And you know, a lot of these people still keep in contact even though we're not on the road with each other anymore. So I think that type of camaraderie, that friendship, also comes across on stage when you're up there singing and, and performing. I think the audiences can, can pick up on that as well. So I think it's a very, it's a very important, crucial thing for me um, to, to have that kind of connection with, with the people that I've seen with. I remember catching those Gaither homecomings on television and thinking to myself, what an incredible lineup they could fit on one stage altogether. So was that, oh, yeah. was that kind of like a We Are the World thing where any notes or parts that you personally could sing would be icing on the cake? But there were just so many artists in the homecoming. How was that to yeah. negotiate for all these artists that are at times used to being the front runner? Um, it, it is a very um, group effort whenever we do those events. I love it because um, for, for my experience, I, I can't speak for everybody, but from, from my experience, yeah, you have a lot of big artists at times that are used to seeing by themselves to sold-out crowds. But then when the, the beauty of, of the Gaither Homecoming thing was that these artists would all come together, and they might not sing a, sing a note as far as singing a solo, you know, being featured or highlighted in a song. But they're, they're just enjoying it. They're happy to be a part of it. And I think that's what uh, makes that so special is that people are there, and they just want the team to win. As long as the team wins, we all win. And I think that is so important. Because if you have this mentality of, this is all about me, this show is about me, um, you know, th- those artists don't really hang around for very long. Um, they, they're the ones that are not team players are not really part of the of the Gator homecoming. <laughs> it's just, Bill, Bill loves team players. He wants to have fun, and he wants it to be a deeply spiritual um, experience for the artist uh, as, as well as the audience that's there. And I think when you have that, that camaraderie up on stage of, hey, let's kind of check your ego at the door and let's be here to to love on each other, support each other in, in whatever capacity we are needed. And if Bill calls them, you sing a song, great. If not, all right, that's, that, that's great too. We just we want, the, we want the whole team to win. Gospel Sing Live comes to Salem's Riverfront Park the night before Fish Fest. It'll be Friday, August 16th. And we're featuring the music of Wes Hampton. This is Mike Lee, pinch hitting for Georgine on The Georgine Wright Show. You're listening to The Georgine Wright Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Wright Show. Mike Lee filling in for Georgine. Make sure to follow Wes Hampton on Facebook and Twitter and check out his beautiful website, WesHampton.com. That's WesHampton.com. Wes, I have to ask you, on your bio page, you have the most amazing, stunningly crystal blue eyes. Did they Photoshop that at all? <laughs> or are your eyes really that stunning? <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you call them stunning, but, uh, you know, I, I think Photoshop helps everybody out a little bit. <laughs> but it's, it's all about the lighting. We want to for those pictures we had, uh, I have a friend of mine who actually lives in my neighborhood on our street. And, uh, I said, Hey man, I want some, I want some really natural light. I just, I don't want to have to touch up these photos much as far as, uh, you know, the lightning things, brightening things. And 
So yeah, he just did a great job of, of capturing the, the the true light in that in that particular setting. So, but yeah, Photoshop, especially you know those those little uh, crow's feet around my eyes, I, I like those touched up just a little bit. <laughs> It's amazing how good we try to make ourselves look. So I'm losing my hair right now. And at this point, it's like, you know what? No wigs, no drugs. I just am who I am. But it's okay. Yes. Yes. I I always said, if I ever started losing my hair and got, you know, just that male pattern baldness, okay, you know, I'll... I'll, I'll do with that, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna go all out and just shave my head and just just pray that I have a a decently smooth head that's not too oddly shaped. <laughs> you know what, Wes? I'm with you, but the wife says no, so I'm gonna hold off on that oh, for a little while. <laughs> I love it how I think you're... that's very very wise, very wise. Oh yeah, I like the bed over the couch. So yes, <laughs> in your bio at westhampton.com, it says that. You studied pre-med at Trevecca Nazarene University before singing lead for a gospel quartet there. So was there a point where you had a crossroads in life and you had to decide between music and medicine? Yeah, it was interesting. I, I went two years to Trevecca, and my wife was two years ahead of me. So uh, when she graduated, I, I was you know, finishing my—I just finished my sophomore year— and I basically had done the majority of all of my pre-med stuff at Trevecca there in Nashville. But we got married, and we moved down to Birmingham, where we still live, Birmingham, Alabama. And I finished up, well, I wanted to finish up at UAB, which is a really big medical-heavy school. I thought, great, this is the this is perfect place to be. And I, I remember I, I was working a couple part-time jobs and, and had just a lot of, um, a lot of stress on me at the time, just with my, my family. There was some family uh, situations that were taking place with my parents. And um, this, and honestly, a, a very difficult time in my life. And really just seeking God's guidance and asking for discernment and some type of direction. And I remember sitting in, it was an anatomy and physiology class. It was the first day of class. And, uh, the professor had not even gotten to the room. I'd already had my, bought my books and everything. And I was sitting in class, and it was probably as clear as, as I've ever heard God's voice. But he said, I don't want you to do this. I don't, I don't want you to do pre-med. I don't want you to be a doctor. And I thought, what in the world? Because I, I knew I, I, I didn't want to, I, I didn't feel called to be, as far as a music minister, a worship pastor goes, I never really felt a calling of that in my life. But I, I was also open to whatever God wanted to do. So I remember walking out of class, and I had taken a psychology class, and I, I really enjoyed that. And obviously, I, I enjoy music. So I ended up changing my major to psychology, of all things, and had a minor in music. Well, fast forward a couple of years, I graduate. And then I go on staff full time at a, a great church here in Birmingham, and and enjoyed really enjoyed my job. I didn't feel like it was my ultimate calling. You know how you you can do something you enjoy, but you don't feel like it's it's quite what God wants you to do ultimately. And that and that's how that was for me. And I, I remember sitting in, in my office there at church and praying clearly just for 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 with some very clear direction that morning and. And then I get a call from my wife about an opening in the vocal band. And we it, it was a very hush-hush scenario because they didn't want a ton of people trying out 
Yeah, this wasn't going to be American Idol or The Voice with thousands of people trying out, right? They wanted to keep it to a select few. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they they, they didn't want just thousands of people showing up. So, very, very long story short, my family, my in-laws, were great friends with the lady who lived in Alexandria, Indiana, where Bill and Gloria live. And she knew that I was a huge local band fan, and she um, she had called my mother-in-law that morning and said, hey, um, David Phelps is leaving the vocal band. And for, for those of you who don't know, D- David Phelps at the time was, uh, was the tenor for the Gator vocal band. Well, he was leaving, and no one knew about it yet. And she said, hey, I can give some stuff to Bill if Wes would want to. And uh, so my wife tells me that, and I kind of freak out a little bit and think, gosh, this is really cool. But then I think, okay, realistically speaking, what are the chances really of me even getting an audition or even Bill hearing what I send in? So uh, fast forward, I, we send stuff to Karen. He gets it to one of Bill's daughters because she was best friends with uh, Suzanne, one of Bill's, uh, Bill's oldest daughter. And she got it to Bill, and that started a seven-week audition process for me of recording stuff in Birmingham, driving back and forth to Nashville. It, it was insane. And all this time, I'm thinking, okay. That morning, I was sitting in class, and God told me to get up and walk out of class. This, this is what this this is leading to. And, and it was just really cool to to see how God had orchestrated this years before. And I, I, love, I love that God sees the bigger picture that, that we just can't see. And several weeks later was the final Billy Graham crusade. That was my audition, my final audition. And scared to death, but it was, you know, they're in New York City, and there were 100-and-something thousand people there. I think 130, 140,000 people there. And uh, a very long week later, Bill called and invited me to join. And that was over 14 years ago. So here we are now, and I'm getting to live on my dream, and I'm not a doctor. That was that an outdoor uh, Billy Graham crusade? It was. Oh my goodness! That was the last outdoor event I had for our sister stations WMCA and WWDJ. It was oh, wow. in Flushing Meadows, Queens, yeah. and yeah, oh my was. goodness, I was at that same one, and that was your audition, technically. How wild is that? Yeah, I, I was. I was terrified. Yeah, terrified. That was my final audition. That's fantastic. <laughs> And I was there, <laughs> coincidentally. Oh, my goodness. David Phelps Absolutely is an amazing yeah, yeah. talent. We actually saw him. I took my wife to see him in Portland a, a few years back. We got to meet him afterwards. He autographed her CD and everything. But, yeah, the Gaither Vocal Band is just a legendary band for you to be able to join. So in your wildest dreams, when you were doing pre-med and God said, well, sorry about those books new. <laughs> you may as well get a refund on them now because I'm exactly. changing your direction. Did you have any idea that music, full-time, much less the tenor position for the Gaither vocal band, might be in your future years later? No, no. I, I, I remember having dreams about it, but I'm also, I, I'm never, I, I, don't, I never consider myself an optimist, but I've also never considered myself a pessimist. I'm just, I'm just right in the middle. I'm, I'm a realist. I just think, okay, realistically speaking, if something it sounds too good to be true, it is. Because in my life experience, that that, that has been the case. And that, that's how this sounded for me. It was, hey, this is a cool opportunity. Wow, you get to you get to audition. That's as far in my mind as it was going. And I will say this, though. There, were, there was a, a this surreal piece that I'd never had before when I was auditioning of this total 
dependence, reliance on God and his direction. And I knew that regardless of whatever happened, if I got the part, if I didn't, God, God had something exciting for me. He, he had something good for me. And I was just trusting him every step of the way. And I, I'm just so thankful that he saw fit to place me in this group because he did. And people people say, um, I, I get asked quite often, hey, how do you, how do you, you know, stay humble? How do you, how do you not get a big ego? And honestly, my, my answer is, well, the first, the first point is uh, God orchestrated all this without a doubt. Uh, number two, there are probably a thousand other guys that could do what I'm doing right now. They could easily sell my shoes. And I'm, I'm replaceable. So I just see this as an opportunity, a, a gift from God that, that he's given me, and I need to treat that with respect and with humility and I think that um, I think that God blesses that an attitude of, you know, I'm I'm not really all that. I'm I'm really not. God has just chosen me for this season in my life to, to do this amazing job that I've been to doing, and and that's how I see it. Every every opportunity I get to see, that that's that's how I do it. Not only is he extremely talented, but Wes Hampton is a very humble man of God, and performing at Gospel Sing Live Friday, August 16th at Salem's Riverfront Park, beginning at 7 p.m. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee, filling in for Georgine. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. This is Mike Lee, pinch hitting for Georgine on The Georgine Rice Show. Gospel Sing Live comes Friday, August 16th to Salem's Riverfront Park with the music of the Booth Brothers, Tribute Quartet, and our very special guest. You know him as the tenor for the Gaither Vocal Band. Welcome back, Wes Hampton. We are so excited that you're coming to Salem, Oregon to be in our very first Gospel Sing Live concert. I'm so looking forward to it. Are there any places in the Pacific Northwest that you like to visit? Well, we do. We usually do a, a Gaither Alaskan cruise uh, every year or every other year, just depending on um, you know the, the demand for it. Honestly, whether people want to go to the Caribbean or to Hawaii or to the to Alaska, and Alaska is by far the most popular. And we fly into Seattle for that cruise, and I love Seattle. I, I, again, as I said earlier, I I love the Pacific Northwest. It, it's just so beautiful. I think the weather is perfect. I'm such a hot-natured person anyway, so anytime there's this cooler weather, I am a fan of wherever that is. That's why I love the Alaskan cruises. Um, people ask, would you, rather, would you rather be on an island somewhere on the beach and umbrella over your head, or would you rather be in the mountains? And by far, give me the mountains every single day. I'm, I'm a mountain person, so I think some of the most beautiful mountains are right where y'all are. So I, I can't wait to come out there and, and just, just see the see the scenery and experience the beautiful weather. And there's such great food out there. I love seafood so much. So I'm the only one in my family who likes seafood, sadly. Well, you know what? I, I take that back. My My oldest and my youngest sons both love shrimp. So we do have some, some seafood lovers besides me, but I'm all about some, some good seafood, and I know there's plenty of that in, in that area. <laughs> well, I hope you're able to enjoy some good shrimp and other seafood while you're up in our neck of the woods. So by all means, boast on your family. You and Andrew have got four boys, is that it? Four. Yeah, we say four no more. Uh, that's, that's kind of a model in our house. We 
have four boys, and they're they're they really are very well behaved, sweet boys. Um, our oldest, Barrett, just turned fifteen and just got his driver's his learner's permit. So that's that's a little scary, a little surreal. Uh, I'm not quite ready for that. But he's he's a typical firstborn, just super obedient, easy going. He's kind of raised himself in a sense. <laughs> and then we have Hudson. The next oldest, he is, um, he's 13, just in 13. And the difference between Barrett and Hudson is Barrett, Barrett, uh, you know, loves to go to school to learn and Hudson loves to go to school to hang out with his friends. You know, they're, they're just so, <laughs> they're, they're so different. Uh, you know, Barrett, Barrett loves his friends too, but Hudson's all about the social. You know, he just wants to, he wants to be where the party is. And then we have Carden, who is 10 years old. And then Sutton, who is nine. So we kind of had them all there together and weren't sure about having a fourth child. And my wife did the whole, hey, what you pray about? And I thought, really? You're going you're gonna to put that on me? So uh, I, I did pray about it for several weeks. And I felt the peace about, you know what? Let's go for it. Let's, let, let's have that fourth baby. And uh, God saw fit to give us a fourth one. I'm, I'm so glad we, we have him. But he is, he is our little caboose. We are done. Um, my wife homeschools all four of them. And as you can imagine, like, it's quite difficult at times with my travel schedule. Um, sometimes I can be gone for a week at a time. Uh, typically, I'm gone three to four days of the week, typically on the, on the weekends. So she really has her hands full. So I try to really give her some time when I get home to go you know, go go get a pedicure, whatever. Just just go go out with your friend for lunch. Just get get away from all this testosterone, and enjoy some you time. <laughs> so I, I really try to do that, and um, you know I, I I try to really make life as easy as I can for her. I don't always succeed, but I try to you know cook meals ahead of time and freeze stuff so she can just put stuff in the oven and have it. So that after homeschooling all day, she de- she doesn't have to go to the kitchen and try to think of something to fix and <laughs> mess with all that. So just one last thing that I can kind of take off her plate, I will definitely try to try to do that. You're a good husband, Wes Hampton. You know what I find well, funny? I like, try to be. We also homeschool, and I wasn't looking for this when I joined KPDQ and the Fish and True Talk 800 here. But there's a solid five families here at our various stations that are into homeschooling. And I agree with you. My wife and I were recently having this discussion saying that after our youngest Linnea graduates, that she wants to go out and get a quote unquote real job and bring some money in. And I, I rebutted her. It's like, Pam, everybody realized you work harder than I do. I love what I do. I put in my efforts. But homeschooling my kids is just on a different plane altogether. So yeah, it, it is so much work. It really is, and we are we are so excited because we uh, we actually just picked up. I'm, I'm, on the, I'm actually in my car right now, and we uh, we picked up our boys from their next to last day of their homeschool co-op, and we are so excited to be winding down for the summer. It, it, we just we need a break so desperately. Just no school, no pre-algebra. Lord help me. It's it's just I'm so excited to have some time. Um, away from school, and especially my wife, especially Andrea, she is she's so excited to, you know, maybe sleep in a little bit and not have to be teaching all day. Because as as you know, it it really is a ton of work, but at the same time, 
with with what I do with my schedule, the homeschool thing was just a no brainer. We've only been doing it for I think four four years, three three four years, and honestly, with all the all the school shootings and everything that is just going on in the world, period. I love knowing that um, our children are safe in our home. I love knowing that we were able to teach them um, quality education stuff, but also uh, that the curriculum, not all the curriculum that we use does this, but some of it does incorporate some biblical teaching into it, like their, their biology course uh, really incorporates a biblical perspective of, hey, you know, God, when God created the world, such and such, you know, and it goes on to, to, to explain whatever it is, the uh, the chemistry of whatever. And I, I love that, that we, we are able to know the quality of the education that they're getting. And uh, a friend of mine and I were talking recently, he said, you know, you think about, you send your kids off to school, and they're they're in class from... 7.45 a.m. until 3 p.m., what, what are they doing all day long to have to come home and then have homework after they've been in school all day long? And I thought, that is, that is such a great point of, gosh, what are you doing all day in school if you're sending kids home with homework to, to do after they've been in class all day long? So, um, again, as I mentioned with my schedule, it really allows us to travel as a family. We can go on the Gator cruises and still take school on the cruises so that the boys have gotten to experience. Gosh, they've gotten to go to Alaska, I don't know how many times, the Caribbean, they've gotten to go to Hawaii. Um, so it, it, it's been a very um, wonderful learning experience for them as well, getting to go to all these different places and seeing how, how different parts of, uh, of the country live. It's been a very, a, a very good choice for us. Well, I'm so glad it's working out so well for you and Andrea Westhampton and the boys. I mean, what's going to leave a more lasting impression? Flipping through a textbook picture of Alaska or actually taking a cruise to Alaska and seeing <clears throat> this incredible artistry that God has put before us. Yes. I mean, you just you can't you can't buy that kind of education. I mean, that's that's just the firsthand experience of seeing, oh, Okay, well, this is where that happened. You know, we, we've we've gotten to take them to to historical places that that they've read about, and to me, that that, that is just a cool thing because it makes them come alive, especially the history stuff that we study. It makes that stuff come alive to them to think, oh gosh, this is this is where this battle took place. How how cool is that? And 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 then that makes them more interested in what we're trying to teach them. So it's really a, a win win for us. What a great time we're having speaking with. Homeschool Dad, Wes Hampton. He also sings for some group called the Gaither Vocal Band, and he'll be appearing live at Salem's Riverfront Park Friday, August 16th for Gospel Sing Live alongside Tribute Quartet and the Booth Brothers. All the ticket information is at kpdq.com, and you'll find out more about Wes himself at his own website, weshampton.com. That's weshampton.com. Another Gospel Sing Live artist is Gary Casto of Tribute Quartet. He's coming up next. I'm Mike Lee filling in on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Mike Lee filling in for Georgine. 
Coming up on Friday, August 16th to Riverfront Park in Salem, the night before Fish Fest, we're very proud to bring Gospel Sing Live to the park. It'll be the largest gospel music event of the entire summer. And on the line from one of our featured artists, Tribute Quartet, we have Gary Casto. And welcome, Gary, as lead singer and owner of Tribute Quartet. I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Mike, for having me on your program and uh, excited that we're coming to Oregon. We're very excited about that. And also the fact that we've got some really big names at this concert between Tribute Quartet and the Booth Brothers and West Hampton of the Gaither Vocal Band. So are these gentlemen any of the acts that you regularly tour with or have concerts alongside? Yes, sir. Um, especially the Booth Brothers. We do quite a bit with the Booth Brothers, um, uh, some with Wes. Uh, great artists, great ministries. They have great songs, and uh, folks absolutely love them, and we enjoy spending time with them. Well, that's neat. And have you been to the Pacific Northwest any time recently, Gary? Um, actually, we just, uh, it's been a while since we've been to the, to the north. We, we were definitely in California recently, um, but it's been a few years since we've been to Oregon and Washington and so forth. Well, with what, 30 plus years in gospel music, I'm sure that you've seen your share of the country by now. So when you do make it to the Pacific Northwest, are there certain restaurants or dives or haunts or, you know, pieces of nature that you want to go out of your way to see if you have any free time? Well, if we have any free time, we absolutely just love uh, the, the, the North Pacific North and just the great beauty of what the Lord's created. And there's some great seafood. We're always looking for great seafood restaurants when we're there. And uh, so we always enjoy enjoy our time. Unfortunately, with the way we travel, we don't have a lot of extra time to spend like we would like. No, that's too bad. Well, if if you get a little more time this year, there is a seafood place, I think it's called South Park, and it's about one block away from the Portland Art Museum. And I'm telling you, that is by far the best clam chatter I have had in my entire life. So if you and I get some free time, we're going to go to South Park and get some clam chatter, Gary, okay? That sounds great. I would absolutely love that. (laughs) So, Gary, how long have you been the leader of Tribute Quartet. Was all of your career with Tribute Quartet exclusively, or were there other acts or times where you performed solo? Uh, Well, actually, uh, Tribute will be in existence. uh, uh, This coming December will be 13 years. So I've had the privilege of traveling with various groups over, uh, over 35 years in gospel music. And uh, but tribute, I have been the leader of tribute for right at 13 years. Uh, I traveled with a family group by the name of the Wilburns. And when the Wilburns retired, uh, they passed the mantle over to me and a gentleman that travels with me now, Mr. Josh Singletary, and said, hey, guys, we're coming off the road. We're of that age and we want to pass the mantle to you. You go out and keep keep the word going. And here you are today. So you and Josh have been together for a while, and the other members would be bass Anthony Davis, not to be confused with the basketball player. And you've got a, uh, you have a new tenor, Gus Gacious. So how has the group been gelling throughout times of change? Is that an easy transition to make, or do new members bring new aspects and strengths at times? 
Well, I think sometimes they bring uh, a strength. I think uh, this transition uh, of the, our former tenor singer to Gus Gacious, our our new tenor singer, has just been the easiest transition that I've ever experienced in 35 years. Uh, and, and due to the fact that uh, Gus has been in the industry, in the music world for a long time, he's traveled with a few various groups such as uh, the Imperials, as well as uh, Legacy Five, he also does a lot, a lot of studio work, and a lot of TV shows that he does the background music for. So his experience has brought a lot to the table and has made the transition very easy. These are some huge names that you're bantering about, Gary. So can we do a little bit of backtracking for you personally? Where did you grow yes. up? I grew up in West Virginia. Uh, I grew up, I graduated from Ripley, West Virginia. Uh, but I've been away from home. Even though my family's there, I've been away from uh, West Virginia for about 30 years. And how has it been for you since? Do you enjoy touring? Or if the Lord would tarry and he didn't care either way, would you rather do studio work and stay in one place? Or do you enjoy traveling city to city? Oh, definitely would be traveling. As long as the Lord gives me strength and, you know, good health to be able to do this, uh, I will continue. I love to travel. I love to see the world. But most of all, I love to be able to go out and see all the fans and the supporters of gospel music. And I love spending time with them, hearing their stories, uh, being able to stand and listen to what they're going through and give encouragement to them and, and to pray with them. And so I love that aspect of what we do. So not all artists are like you, Gary Casto. So you generally enjoy not only performing a great concert, but then meeting your fans afterwards and having conversations. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's, there's a promoter friend of ours back here in back East that always says, the one thing about Tribute Quartet, they'll be the first ones there and the first and, and the last ones to leave. And that's so true. There's times that we're uh, the, the janitor of the facility is waiting for us to leave because we're still standing <laughs> there talking to the folks. And uh, one of the greatest thrills that I have is I feel like the Lord has called me to be a, a prayer warrior and to be able to hear hear folks' stories, and they know that, and they come up to me and say, will you pray for me? And I love spending time doing that. And no matter how long it takes, Mike, I'm going to do that. Well, certainly don't feel a need to name names or cities or locations or anything, Gary. But has there ever been an encounter that you've had with Tribute Quartet where you've had a repeat fan come up and thank you for praying with him or with her because something had changed in their life since the last time they saw you in concert? Oh, absolutely. I recall years ago, uh, we were at a uh, municipal auditorium, and we began to sing a song uh, that I've done for years called I Am Healed. And there was a great audience there, and folks began just to walk up to the edge of the stage and begin to worship the Lord. And I'll never forget, I saw this feeble lady walking towards the stage, but uh, but she was not uh, old whatsoever. She was in her early 40s, but I could tell that, that she was very sickly, and they had actually taken her out of the hospital just to come to the concert, and uh, she was diagnosed with cancer, and they said that she didn't have long to live, and I'll never forget this until the day I die. I remember going down and praying for her and um, the, the, 
and and just having a, a great moment with her and the Lord and, and a few others that were standing around. Two years later, we went back to that same venue, and uh, to my surprise, uh, here's that lady, and she comes up to me at the at the product table and says, "I'm that lady that they that they gave up on, but the Lord had a different plan." That's just an amazing story. Gary Casto is the lead singer and owner of Tribute Quartet. What I want you to do is go to your computer or your smartphone and sign up for their newsletter at TributeQuartet.com. That's TributeQuartet.com. We do want to hear more about Tribute Quartet and more from Gary next, but make sure to follow them as well on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Instagram, SocialCam, YouTube, Tumblr, and Vimeo. Wow, that's more social media outlets than I'm aware of. Any others that I've missed, Gary? Well, I don't think so, Mike. I, I will tell you, I'm very uh, technically challenged. That's the reason why I hire young guys that knows more about that. <laughs> You're a smart man. More with Gary Casto of Tribute Quartet next. Filling in for Georgine, I'm Mike Lee. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Mike Lee here in for Georgine on the Georgine Rice Show. Gospel Sing Live is coming Friday, August 16th at Salem's Riverfront Park, featuring the music of Wes Hampton of the Gaither Vocal Band, the Booth Brothers, and Tribute Quartet, whose leader and founder Gary Casto is on the line. So, Gary, how did you get Tribute together in the first place? Well, when um, when the Wilburns uh, that Josh and I traveled with decided to retire, and they passed, as I said earlier, they had passed the mantle over to us, word got out that um, that we was going to continue and that we was going to need uh, vocalists. I never put a press release out. It was just the inner uh, twinings of our industry folks talking, and I had and I began to get um, resumes emailed to me, a, a phone calls stating, "Hey, uh, I would be interested uh, in trying out for tribute if you have auditions." Uh, at that time, we didn't even know for sure the name of the group, and uh, it just sort of become a um, a happening thing. And so we tried out a few people, uh, started tribute quartet, and here we are today. So was this a long process, or was it shortened by the fact that it's not like you posted it publicly or, or hosted open tryouts or voice or American Idol type things, but it was more word of mouth than anything else at the beginning, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'll never forget it. It was, uh, it was like the in September. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember dates, but let me just say this. With less than three and a half Three to three and a half weeks, I had tribute up, running, in place, record contract, and booking agent. So did that come solely from your connections and the fact that you, you came out of an established act with the Wilburns? Or did things just like well, supernatural? That, yeah. that seems really fast to fall into place, doesn't it? It was very fast. And, uh, and I, I give the Lord um I think all the credit, of course, uh, it, it was favor of the Lord. Um, but I do believe it, it, it's a domino effect. I think the Lord has given me favor with so many uh, entities in our industry. So when they realized that, hey, uh, Jackie and Elaine Wilburn, they're retiring, these guys 
we need them out here. We got to help them. So it was just everybody immediately began to embrace us, Mike. And it just happened. Uh, like I say, probably less than three and a half weeks. Um, it, it was all together. And matter of fact, um, a month and a half into starting tribute, we were already in the studio and almost had an album done that quickly. That's just amazing. So was this a stressful period of time as the launch of Tribute Quartet came to be? Or was there some kind of supernatural God hookup where you just had a peace throughout all this? I had complete peace. Um, Anybody that knows Gary Casto knows that I don't do anything unless I pray about it first and not trying to sound holy or holier than thou. It's just that's how I was raised. That's what I do. And God just gave me the peace that passes all understanding. And through all the transition, uh, I had peace. Now, it did mean a lot, there wasn't a lot of hard work. There wasn't a lot of nights without sleep, just trying to get everything done. But it wasn't a stressful time. It was just a busy time. Sometimes I wonder, Gary, if we're trying to do things for God, but ultimately we're so bent on the talents that he's given us or the opportunities or the experience that we want to do it for him, but maybe subconsciously even we're doing it for ourselves. And maybe in those moments we lack peace and we have the anxiety and the tiredness that, that I don't think God wants us to have to go through. And yes, he's going to see us through trials and we don't want to have an easy carefree life the whole time. But I think just the fact that you had such a peace over the launch of Tribute Quartet is a testimony to A, your humility, and B, your walk with him and just putting him first. This isn't about getting Gary Casto and Tribute in front of thousands and thousands of fans. This really is ministry-centered for you, isn't it? It absolutely is. And, and don't get me wrong. I believe that you can have a balanced program. I think you can have fun. I think you can laugh. I think there's a little aspect of of uh, entertainment. But, Mike, when it gets down to the, the, the brass tacks of it all, we have to get the word of our Heavenly Father out to the folks. I believe that we're in the uplifting business. We don't know. We, we plant seeds every night. We don't know how people are hurting. We don't know their situations, but it's our responsibility. There's an accountability that we bring the word through song to those folks to help them change their life. You know, I, I've always treated my ministry as a triangle. And if you can possibly envision this, Christ is at the top of the triangle. At the bottom right-hand side is the, the people, the fans. And we as a ministry are in the left-hand corner of the triangle. See, so many times we always want, uh, sometimes in the heat of the moment when we're on the platform, when we're, um, and I'm speaking in general of artists, we have a tendency to take it straight across the bottom of that triangle to reach the people, to get that reaction, to see what can happen. But what happens is we leave Christ out of it, and it's not a complete triangle. It's not a complete ministry. But we as a ministry, as an artist, if we'll take it straight up to Christ at the top of the triangle, he'll bring it down to the fans in the right-hand corner, and then the fans will bring it back to us in the left hand. And then you've got a complete triangle, and you have a complete ministry. I love your illustration, Gary Casto, of tribute. That's a real clarifying thing for me personally. So thank you for sharing that. 
So off on a tangent here, what do you do when you're not doing music? Any hobbies, <laughs> things you like to do in your spare time that aren't gospel music centered? Well, I don't have much. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't have much spare time. I, I'm very involved in uh, several different entities of our industry. I sit on several boards and 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 uh, stockholder in certain things, and and then I'm also on a board uh, for a ministry called the Veranda Ministries here in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a respite daycare for families who have uh, members that are uh, Alzheimer's and dementia patients. And we do a respite daycare center for them. So I'm on the board for that, and that keeps me very busy. And then I'm also on a board in Europe uh, and Northern Ireland called Kids for School. And we have a division here in the U.S. And we help uh, build Christian schools in uh, Tanzania, Africa. So that keeps me busy. But if I do have any spare time, I'm a sports nut still. I love my sports. I love to go to to different games. And um, so I try to do that. But to be quite honest, my days off, if I have a weekend off, most of the time I'm going to support one of my friends that are in the ministry to wherever they are. So because you serve on so many different boards, Gary, and have helped mentor so many musicians, what up-and-comers do we need to be looking out for? Oh, my goodness. We have so many great new artists coming on the scene. There's a family out of Illinois called the Kramers. Uh, great, great family group. We have another um the Mylon Hayes family out of North Carolina, great family group, excited about what the Lord's um, doing in their life. So we do have some great uh, talent coming in. Well, I'm excited about that, that not only are you, Gary Casto, making sure that tribute spreads the gospel out there throughout your concerts, but you're also, in a way, mentoring the next generation of artists to follow in your footsteps. Friends, make sure that you follow Gary Casto on his website, tributequartet.com. Sign up for his newsletter. That's tributequartet.com. More with Gary next on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show, and I'm Mike Lee filling in for Georgine. On the night before Fish Fest at Riverfront Park, it's Gospel Sing Live from about 7 till dark. And one of our very special featured artists is the leader and founder of Tribute Quartet, Gary Casto, on the line. Gary, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Are you holding up all right? I'm doing great, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly my privilege. And you mentioned a couple of boards that you served on. So I want to ask you about, and I hope that I pronounce this correctly, the Veranda Ministry that helps out Alzheimer's and dementia patients, family who have members in their family that have this disease. And so they become their their caregivers and Sometimes it's just nice for them to have time to go out and take care of their own business. So we have a daycare for these patients, and we do activities with them, take them out to eat once a week, uh, do different games with them, crafts with them, uh, just to keep their their motor skills um, uh, at the top as they can be. I want to thank you for that ministry in particular, Gary, because it strikes a chord with me, having lost my father-in-law to Alzheimer's, and my mom to dementia. I love the fact that 
you're giving a break not only to our seniors, but their families who at times give so much energy and attention to try to get through in the sandwich generation where perhaps they're raising kids and at the same time trying to be good caretakers of their aging parents. So is there a way that you got into this? Do you have any experience that really turned your heart to serve with the Veranda Ministry? Well, uh, the dear friend of ours, uh, Miss Mary Ann Oglesby, she is um, the leader of this organization, and we've been friends for years. And uh, just through her experience and um, being out on the road and seeing this uh, in front of our eyes or families who are going through this, it's just given me a perspective in how to help. Uh, so really, it's all through Mary Ann and our friendship and just wanting to help her make a difference. And that's really neat that you're taking time out of your busy schedule to help out this ministry. So have you had any family members go through dementia or Alzheimer's that kind of helped encourage no, you to serve I, I, here? No, actually, I haven't. Uh, I've been fortunate that we've not had to face that at this point in time. But I still have a heart for it through, through folks that I know. I mean, uh, Mike, as we travel all over the, this world, quite literally all over the world, we see families going through this. And many times they bring their family, their loved ones with them that are facing this dreaded disease. And I get to experience that and interact with that. So it just gave me a a new perspective of what I should do and and try to help in this area. It makes sense for someone who endured some uh, heinous event to serve in a ministry to give back. But in your case, Gary Casto, it just seems like you're doing this out of love of people and out of obedience to the Lord. So I want to thank you for not only serving with the Veranda Ministry, but can you tell us more about what you're doing with these kids' schools in Africa and how you got into serving with that side? Yes, we have some dear friends uh, in uh, uh, Northern Ireland, Tom and Margaret Robinson, that head up this organization, Kids for School. And uh, it's a, a Christian-based organization, nonprofit, that that has went into um, Tanzania, Africa, and uh, there's such a need there for for uh, schools, Christian schools, um, we help provide uniforms for them, food for them and their families, building uh, these schools, uh, school materials. And uh, so it's just a desire uh, to be a part of something that's an outreach. And so Tom and Margaret become friends of ours. They love gospel music. Uh, we've, we sang for them uh, several times in Ireland. And just this past uh, June, they uh, invited us to come to Tanzania, and we spent several days in Africa interacting uh, with the kids, going out, helping them, delivering clothes, delivering food, playing with the kids, um, sitting down one-on-one with the kids and working with them through translators, and then uh, just spending time there seeing what we're endorsing. It's wonderful that you could help the kids out as you're doing, in addition to all that you're carrying as the leader of Tribute Quartet. So 
that's just a, an amazing life that you're living for the Lord. So I hope he keeps you healthy and that you persevere and that you get along with your teammates well. So traveling isn't for the faint of heart. Could you boast upon the other members of Tribute and some of the things you might like to do together between gigs? Oh, uh, you know, I, I think that I have, um, uh, and, and many would probably say, oh, you're just saying this, but I think I have one of the greatest teams in gospel music today. Um, they are all team players. Um, they, you know, I remember uh, several years ago, they come to me and they said, we want to speak with you. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, you hate that dreaded, <laughs> dreaded word. And because you think, OK, somebody's upset. What's going on? And it wasn't. They said, you know what? Let us take care of you on the road. Let us go out, make music and, and, and take care of you on the road. And you handle the business side and you the industry side. That's more your forte. And we'll have a long career together. And I find that so true. And um, we love each other. We spend time with each other, even when we're not on the road. Many nights we all go out and and uh, eat uh, or, or go to a, a, a sports uh, game or whatever the what, whatever the case may be. We still spend time together, and uh, that that's a great um, attribute. I love the fact that you've been so sports oriented from your family over the years. So, what are your sports? What are your favorite teams? Oh. I love collegiate uh, football. I love I love all football, but college is my favorite. I love college basketball. I love uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, now, being here in Nashville, Tennessee, um, I'm starting to enjoy uh, the, the NHL hockey. Uh, uh, so there, I just love sports in general. I love golf. <laughs> uh, there's not many that I don't like. I'm glad that you're able to do that with your teammates. So... Is there anyone you want to send a shout out to or say hi to? Well, you know, uh, you mentioned Terry. Uh, we love uh, love Terry Garland. He's a great friend and glad that he's a part of bringing us out there. And to all the listening fans, we just want to say thank you for your support of the radio station, but also support of gospel music and tribute quartet. We couldn't do it without you. And listen, Come out and be with us at the spring event. We're going to have a great time. We're so excited to see Gary Casto and his group Tribute Quartet join in West Hampton of the Gaither Vocal Band and the Booth Brothers Friday, August 16th at Riverfront Park in Salem. The show starts at 7. Gospel Sig Live, the very first one. It'll be the largest gospel music event of the summer. All the details are up on our website, kpdq.com. That's kpdq.com. Reserve seats are available. General admission is lawn seated, so make sure that you set up to bring your own chairs. And if you need any more information, you can call us right here at the station or check out kpdq.com. So, Gary Casto, Tribute Quartet Leader, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, Mike, thank you, and thank you to the radio station, and we look forward to seeing everybody on August the 16th. Uh, It's going to be a great, great night. Looking so forward to it. We'll see you there. As are we all, Gary Casto. Check out TributeQuartet.com and sign up for their newsletter. That's TributeQuartet.com. Filling in for Georgine, I'm Mike Lee on The Georgine Rice Show. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G Rice Show and like us on Facebook. 
And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.